Hello guys, welcome to episode three of the Darts Podcast. Today, we've got Henry Cheel. How you doing, mate? Good, and you? Yeah, I'm really good, I'm really good. Quite excited to have you. I think, I think we, could, we, could have a, we could spend a lot of time talking about darts, me and you. Of course, I'll never stop talking about it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Henry, how old are you? 20. 20. So, a little, bit, a little bit younger than me, but how long have you been interested in darts or being involved in darts? Well, roughly about seven, eight years, I'd say. I mean, my first memory was the Taylor's World, last World Championship in yeah, 2013 against MVG when he won number 16. Nice. And so what, what was it about darts that interested you? Well, that's a difficult question, really, because I just turned it on and I saw it on Sky and then just watched it, enjoyed it, and then didn't come back for the year. But I think maybe just the whole atmosphere probably, you know, gave you that buzz you enjoy the it's just a nice evening really look like so yeah i think i think a lot of people just kind of like look at they they sort of years ago they'd go through and they think darts is like some pub game that a load of fat blokes play and that's it but it's a lot different now and like the atmosphere is a lot, a lot more fun and people just kind of look at it as just a bit of a party scene and i think i think so many people are getting interested in darts but do you play it's all not much but uh while i'm at uni i've uh, i'm the captain of the darts team so I've got the responsibility there, but I don't usually play much normally, but I'm starting to play a bit more now. I'm wanting to anyway, and uh, start going to amateur tournaments in the coming months. That sounds good. Um, so you're from you're from Basingstoke, or you live in Basingstoke? I live in Basingstoke, yeah. So that's a good, good place for darts. Um, do you ever go to the Basingstoke Open, things like that? Not much. I, I've only recently moved down there, so hopefully within the next six to... 12 months I can go down to a lot there a lot more often oh yeah you've got a lot, lot a lot to look forward to I think there's some good tournaments down there just a quick message from today's sponsor they are LP Metal Detecting if you want to go and check out their website it is www.lpmetaldetecting.com they have all the stuff for your metal detecting needs whether you're a beginner and you want to get involved in metal detecting or you're a long-standing metal detector and you want to get some more bits some more pieces some more stuff go and check them out also check them out on Twitter as well at LP Detecting if you're a fan of the channel you're a fan of the podcast and all that sort of stuff and you don't really you know that interest in the, in the metal detecting side of things then just go and drop them a follow you'll be supporting me and you'll be supporting them who are supporting me so yeah anyway back to the podcast um so basically what what who is henry chill what 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 do you do basically if so if an alien come down and said tell me about yourself what, what would you say to them well obviously i love darts that's why i'm here but um well i'm at uni obviously as i mentioned earlier starting uh, sports journalism something to do as a potential career path and uh, I do lots of work inside the darts world anyway. I uh, write for Darts Mad which I recently just took over. I um, work with Rob Cross, Ryan Sell, Luke Humphreys on media and uh, hopefully soon writing a book on Glenn Durrant's story as well. Yeah I forgot about that because I remember a couple of years ago on, on Twitter you were talking about that quite a lot and then Glenn said just hold, hold off on the, on the book for a little bit. Was, was was that because he wanted to achieve more before the book came out? Well, I think it's a mixture of things because at that point he literally probably just won the Premier League or around that time. And then following from that, I think he just wanted to, it all to come out when he retired or when he officially left the PDC. And obviously that's not happened yet, but it's difficult to explain on the moment. But I think in time he'll probably want it out soon depending on his form I don't know I need to speak with him about it more to be honest yeah yeah because the, the the dark players books I mean Keith Deller who was on the podcast before he's got a book I really enjoyed his book there's a lot of good stories in there and then I've read Jamie Caven's book there's a few other players I think maybe Taylor's got a book or something I'm not I've not read that one but there are a few few dark players with books I think they're quite quite an interesting read do you quite like where did your passion for writing come from well, I've always enjoyed it, really. I mean, from an early age, I uh, well, used to write stories, although they were really shit, to be honest. But Fair enough. I wasn't that gifted. It was only like, you know, making stories up for the fun of it. I would say I'm a, sort of a creative person in that regard. But I usually, I, recently, I just kind of drift away from just writing fiction and thought, you know what, let's write a book about a dart player or someone's life. And then... You know, Glenn was a, a good idea, really, at the time, because he literally just came over from the BDO to the PDC, new opportunities, 
chances to make a name for himself even more so in the darts world become like the potential to be a, a household name you know like potentially win major after major you know but obviously he's only won one but that's still imp impressive really I think his story is fundamentally one of the best out there yeah I agree I definitely agree um, so did did he ever come to you in the first place to write a book or did you just you just started writing it and then he kind of got wind of it that you were doing that it was kind of funny actually because uh, I just uh, wanted to tweet and out my idea out. I just found it I thought of it the idea sorry and I just thought you know what I think there could be real potential of this I tweeted it out and then he just replied saying I'll support you on this and started following me that's and nice that's how I got to know him and it's all kicked off from there really yeah I've, ne I've never really interacted with, with him I mean he was at he was at one pro tour before he went to Q school to get his tour card um and back when I was a marker but once he got his tour card I, I think I'd already I'd already packed in or I might have done like two events and then and then stopped so I've never really crossed paths with him and I've never really like interacted with him on tour or anything but he does seem like a really nice guy he does seem really nice um he's obviously struggling a little bit have you have you spoke to him did you speak to him very often I don't I normally don't speak to him like most of the players that often I just let him get on with it yeah what, what do you think what do you think he needs to do have you got any 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 sort of thing in your head because I, I haven't got a clue I mean not, most people don't have a clue but is there any, anything that you think would improve him or help him get, get through his little d bad patch that he's going through I don't really know either to be honest I mean <laughs> I just to be honest I just wish him the best and hope he can get back there but you know, when he was at his highest highs, everyone was talking about him, and now they're talking about him for the polar opposite in form, you know. It's not quite... It's just not there for him at the moment. But yeah. I generally think he might have a chance. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I like him, I'm friends with him. I, But I feel like deep down that, that something might be there. I mean, I've heard a lot of good recently from his manager as well, Mac Elkin. He told me that um, he's been... In, well doing coaching obviously and that's been renowned on his social media as well you know promoting it but I've heard that he's just going to all sorts of tournaments now just to get some match practice and try and work on his throw but I, I'm not even sure if that's going to work but we can only hope can't we yeah is it, there's, there's one thing that I that I noticed and I think it had something to do with Matt Edgar actually but so does Glenn normally use pair flights or something? He normally uses pair flights, but he's, I remember one tournament, he swapped to kite flights because that's what, because Matt, I think Matt had spoke to him about kite flights. He swapped to kite flights and he, was, and he played really well with them. And then he swapped back to his pairs. And then that's when, that's when he started sort of on the, on the decline. I mean, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but maybe he needs, needs to go back to the kite flights. Because I do find if I change my darts or if I change something, <clears throat> I almost don't want to play better with a change set up. Because in my head, I'm thinking, right, I've now got, to, now got to stick with them. Or if I swap, then it's in my head that I was good with these last week and now I'm using this and it's like, it's proper in my head. Like, I'm, I'm one of the worst dart players. I've, I've got the, the worst mental capacity to play darts. Like, I just, I'm just rubbish because everything, I, I overthink everything. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe that'd be something, something, uh, something you can try. Go back to the old, the old uh, kite flights. But you mentioned Rob Cross and... Ryan Searle and Luke Humphreys. So they're sort of people that you, you run their, their socials for them, their Twitter and stuff like that. Not for Rob or um, Luke. The Luke's run his by himself, but I run Ryan's. I um, work for the writing part for Rob, so such as blog updates on his, uh, on his career, basically. And then hopefully at some point in the future, maybe something more than that. Yeah, that's cool. So when it when it comes to because I've I've never run a run an account like that for for a professional player. Um, what sort of is is it quite labour intensive to to run a, a Twitter account for a pro? Like, do you have to go? Do you have to, I take it you have to really be concentrating on what they're up to all the time just to tweet out stuff that's relevant. I guess. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, with Ryan, he's quite a private guy in general. Like, obviously, I'm running his Twitter, so that's something that he doesn't know too much about well obviously he knows that I'm doing it but he he wouldn't necessarily know what kind of content I have to I put up there but I think in a way it gives me freedom because I can only I can only do my best to put him in a good name and you know a good image for for himself really I mean he's a fantastic dart player and I can create content to try and entice followers to follow the page with them thinking it's Ryan if that makes sense yeah I guess so so Having the access to an account like that of a professional player who's, 
I mean, he is one of the best players in the world as of the last sort of year or so. Um, a lot of things, or a, a lot, a lot, a lot, you see a lot that professional dart players get a load of shit on the internet if they lose a game and stuff. So you must have access to the DMs and stuff. Do you do you ever just like flick through and just have a read to see what people were trying to message or sending abuse? Because he, he's not like he's not the person who you'd send abuse to, in my opinion. But I would imagine he gets it still. Do you do you ever see that sort of stuff from from his from his page? No, I don't really pay any attention to it. I just chat with his partner and hope that um well i remember at one point actually recently that um he uh his wife got death threats i think or just really? a lot of hate and i'm just like that's just well ridiculous because it's a horrible thing to do to anyone and i thought i just can only express sympathy towards her because those sorts of things is the stuff that comes with being a pro and i feel like that's part of the reason why maybe ryan doesn't want to use twitter it's a very toxic place and i feel as though that like you were saying about uh, potential DMs, I'll just ignore it because at the end of the day, Ryan doesn't see it. They think it might be Ryan, but luckily he doesn't have to see that. Yeah. Yeah, because this is a theory that I've had for a while, right? And um, so you think of a celebrity, right? Just a normal celebrity and their their Twitter accounts or their social media accounts are being run by like a whole management team and they're doing all of this, that and the other and obviously you're involved in Ryan's one, but most a lot of the pros they they run their own stuff, and you see people like like Luke Humphreys especially and um, uh, Joe Cullen. Joe Cullen's on it on it quite a lot, and they all kind of like take the piss out of the the the, the threats and stuff like that they get because they they do get quite a lot a lot a lot of shit when they lose and someone loses a bet off the back of it. But I, I think dark players are in this really weird level of fame where they're they're not famous enough that. They don't see the the threats and stuff because their because their DMs are being flooded by people telling them how much they like and they want they want to speak to them and stuff. But then they're not they're not not famous enough that they don't receive them. They're all, they're like in this weird little area of fame where they see a lot of the a lot of the hate. Whereas I think I think if you're like Kanye West or something like that, you've got like millions and millions of followers. It, it, you can't even refresh your phone quick enough to to read something because it's already gone. But for dark players, I feel like they are proper in this weird level where they see everything and it does affect some of them i think it's difficult to to ignore it it's definitely difficult to know I mean, i'm the same with the youtube stuff if i get if i get a bad comment not nine times out of ten if i get a bad comment it doesn't affect me but every now and then i'll get a comment and i'm like that ruins my day my whole day is ruined because someone said that I'm rubbish at darts or someone said this. I mean, I am rubbish at darts, so that, that doesn't affect me. But someone will comment something on a video and I'm like, it's just so unnecessary. Like, you didn't yeah. need to say that. Rubbish. But yeah, um, so Luke Humphreys, one of your favourites. You, yeah. you do like to tweet about Luke Humphreys. Um, you must be well happy with how he's doing. Oh yeah, he's doing really well. I'm really pleased for him because uh, at the back end of last year, he was probably been a bit unlucky at times losing last legs deciders where he was comfortably averaging better than his opponent or you know he's just been on the wrong end of results here and there but he had a good worlds and then since then he's pushed on he beat ryan in that first players championship event and now won three euro tours in a row and his fourth of the year literally just a few days ago so form of his life and he's going to be a real threat this year yeah i think i think a lot of people are going to be backing him early for like World Championships and stuff, and um, he doesn't he doesn't have a major, does he? Not like a proper major, does he? Or does he? No, not no, not at no. All. I, I, I'm rubbish no. at keeping up to date with what's going on. He's got a final in the UK, but he lost to James Wade there. But and then a uh, not that I'd call it a major, but he's won the World Youth, which is still an achievement. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. That was when everyone was telling him he was too old because he had yeah. a beard and stuff. It's, yeah, it was fun talking to him about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I do, I do think he's he's on he's on the cusp of doing something big on the on a TV event because I think you can win as many pro tours as you want and you can win as many European tours as you want but the casual viewer they're not really watching them so you need you need like a match player or a UK Open or a world championship and all of a sudden yeah. he'll, he'll just skyrocket I definitely think it's doable I, th I, I do think in the next couple of years he'll get he'll get a major I just don't know which one it will be hopefully the world's hopefully the world's he yeah, can bring yeah. it back home to our area and then he can show it off to me <laughs> exactly yeah yeah. So another thing you've mentioned was the darts mad thing. So you were you were writing for them beforehand and doing bits like that because because you I think you did you talk about uni you're doing sports journalism yeah. which is kind of like to go into that into that sort of thing especially with the darts as well it's very very helpful. Um, 
and then you acquired it. How does what happens there? How do you just get given it? Well, it's it's complicated really because they, it it got a it had new owners a few years ago, and that's how I became uh, well a part of the team by writing it. And then since then, a guy called Luke Jones, you know the the Welsh man from oh yeah yeah. yeah. Everyone knows who he is, I think, on Twitter. Oh, he loves a TikTok, doesn't he? Do you ever watch him on TikTok? Yeah. He's got some funny TikToks. He doesn't put it on Twitter, though. I wonder why. But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, he had it. He got it from uh, Dark Wolf, who got it from the previous owners. And, obviously, Dark Wolf working his magic, he, um, he gave it to me because Luke didn't do much with it, which was a shame because it led towards the domain and the website being mishandled and then just ended up being closing down. But... Obviously, he he didn't have the time to work on it, which is a shame. But <laughs> too busy making TikToks. Yeah, but he had other important stuff, as you know. You know, being a father and all that. So, I, I suppose just, it is what it is. But I mean, hopefully, he has time at some point to come back because I he I really enjoyed his interviews that he did with Dance Mad when he wasn't the owner of it. Yeah, to be fair, I, I thought he'd done some good. He he got some decent people on there as well. I think half the half the battle is. I mean, you can do an interview with someone, you can chat to them all you like, but getting in front of them in the first place that's that's the difficult bit so yeah i mean <clears throat> what what are your plans going forward because are you going to do video based stuff like what he was doing or is it going to be more writing or a bit of everything or do you have any any plans for that at the moment i'm just uh waiting to for the domains to be sorted you know the boring stuff that unfortunately is taking a lot longer than i want but probably once that's all done i mean i've already acquired vim um well yeah the the dutch guy from darts world yeah. But, um, well, I've acquired him because uh, he's he loves writing. He's a massive darts fan like me. He's literally just been to part of the PDC media team for the World Series final. So he's a good asset to the team, really. Someone that I strongly believe can make a name for himself if he chose to. But um, apart from that, just writing what stuff that I enjoy. You know, unique creating unique unique content because I'm obviously. The thing with darts is that you can get much more stories out of people than just, like, say, professional footballers or um, Formula One drivers or whatever. You, you, with darts, you can get so many good stories out of it, whether it's uh, obviously the, the basics, such as reviewing tournaments or talking about people here and there. But if you focus on the specific players and how their journey from being a, what, a tradesman or of some sort to being a dance professional I think that's what I would be focusing on more because it's just interesting to hear about their lives you know and how darts has maybe transformed them into millionaires yeah that's a good point because I think like a lot of professional sportsmen they're normally like people who have done sport all their life and then they get to sort of like 17, 18 and then they make the transition into like professional sports or the men's version of of whatever it is the game that they play but you don't, don't really get that with darts there's no like 16, 17, 18 year olds who are earning massive money that they're not having a having a job beforehand and a lot of the the big names would have would have had a job growing up and stuff and then they got into darts after so yeah there's plenty to talk about when it comes to comes to dart players there's certainly loads of stories and stuff um and what about content like vid is is it planned to do videos with 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 other players or have you got any ideas for that that'd be nice to be fair because obviously you know i've got good connections with my favorite players which is good so i could maybe use them but i think with players, I mean, people usually interview them just to talk about tournaments or, you know, the what's what's been happening as of when. But I'd rather know about 15 years ago or something in their first ever darts event and then uh, hear about what's happening and then how that might have made them fall in love with the game. You know, this is why I like Glenn Durant as well, because his story is just a working man who managed to make himself a lot of money, but also have a lot of success in a short space of time and who never really planned to be in darts in the first place. But a chance meeting led for him to, onto that next step to then progress, you know. See, that's the thing. That's probably many other dart players out there, and they should have a voice to tell their story, you know. Yeah, yeah, because I, 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 a, a lot of the people who are involved in, in darts and involved in the darts, darts media, I do find that, I mean, the questions have to be asked, but I do find that the same questions are asked over and over again. And just to try and get something different out of, out of someone would be, in, would be quite interesting. I was offered a media pass for a tournament once. I can't remember, I can't remember who, who it was with or, or what, what tournament it was. But I just remember thinking, like, what, what am I going to ask them? That's like, they're going to expect me to say, how do you feel, how do you feel the game went? Um, what, 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 what do you think you have to do in, 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 
like in the in the, ne- in the next round and stuff and the answer is always like yeah I, I played all right I played all right next round we're gonna have to, have to be a bit better and it's like it's boring boring questions so yeah I definitely think there's a there's a market for someone to sort of ask weirder questions and different questions and that's that's why I started the podcast was to get people in front of me and ask the questions that they wouldn't normally get asked because you just can when you've got like a two minute window to ask them a question on a when they're sat on a table they don't want to be there they want to go home back to their kids or their wife or whatever it's a bit a little bit a little bit more a diff- little bit more difficult um you told me earlier that you've got a youtube channel brewing as well going to be the yeah. next the next darts content creator um is that going to be in association with with the darts mad stuff or do you want to keep that sort of separate and do your own bits for yourself i'm not sure yet because i feel like i could combine it but then again as i'm the owner of Darts Mad now. I could just basically say it's a subsidiary to what I'm doing, but uh, it, it's something I'm gonna need to think about for now because if I focus it all in one, then people would associate me with both, which which helps. But I'm not too sure yet, to be honest. I'm thinking maybe combining more at the moment, but we'll see. Yeah, you t- you told me one of your one of your ideas earlier, and I don't know if you want to share it or not, which is fair enough if you don't. Um, but I think it's a good idea. I think you should do it definitely do it you know what we're talking, you know what yeah. I'm talking about yeah you should definitely do it it's no one's doing it and I do think you get a much more genuine approach to te- talking to people I, yeah. I think it's good definitely, I, I definitely won't share for it. now but don't stay share tuned. for now yeah yeah I, but I definitely think you should do it though so yeah if you're watching what, what's your channel called just my name and TV so Henry Chill TV go have a look I'll put Subscribe. a link in the description or I'll, I'll tweet it and stuff but go yeah drop him a sub so another player that you're a big fan of is Rob Cross. Yeah. What about Rob Cross? Because I understand that he's sort of, he come out of nowhere, then wins the World Championships, which is absolutely bonkers in this day and age as well. I mean, back in the day, it would happen every now and then. Keith Deller was, Keith Deller was one of them. And you'd sort of, you'd, there'd be players who you'd never really heard of before who go and do big things on TV. But nowadays, if you've heard of them, or if, they, if they're doing big things, you've probably heard of them already. Rob Cross wasn't really like that. So why, why was Rob Cross one of your, one of your favourites? Well, I mean, to be honest, a few months before he won the Worlds, I started to pay attention more to him because by that point I wasn't really aware of the Pro Tour or the Europeans or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, I recognise this guy from the UK Open the year before when he played MVG, if you might remember that. And then he, he literally, well, he just blew everyone away, really, just showing how good he was. He was really confident in himself and his own ability. He really just showed everyone what he was made of. And I think... Although he didn't win a major until obviously the Worlds, it was just impressive to see how some random person, in theory, because obviously people back at home would have known who he was, but people on a wider stage not know who he was or anyone, anything like that, and then just came over and had all the confidence in the world to produce good dance. And I admired that from him, so I supported him from about Grand Slam time or European Championships when he reached the final. But that, since then, just been a big fan really yeah I've always liked Rob Cross he's always been a player that I, I enjoyed I enjoy watching um, he's a little bit little bit different like the, the pauses and stuff he does you see all the commentators all bang on say oh you can't do this you can't do that he is the one playing at the end of the day not them so I do I do. if it works for him it works for him I mean he paused on that one four four to win the Worlds and it went in so yeah. if that's the way that's the way he wants to play it let him play it um, another thing that you're involved in is autism awareness in darts so that was something that was that was like a lockdown thing wasn't it yeah yeah so that started over over lockdown and like what, what was the goal what was the what was the aim for for that sort of thing well while well, it's uh, on a bit of hiatus at the moment but um the aim was just to raise awareness really i mean we can there's so much more potential than that but i think the first step was just awareness to be honest I mean, I'm not the only autistic person in the darting community that people know of. I can think of a few on top of my head right now, and they obviously know who I'm talking about. And uh, I feel like awareness is just important in general because it's something that affects me throughout my whole life, you know? Yeah, I, I, once I saw it, I was like, right, I'm back in this um, 100% because one of, one of my good mates, Charlie, he's autistic. And playing darts with him and, and learning, because I've, I've got no idea of what... what how to deal with how to talk to someone who's autistic or anything but once I sort of got got into like the good friendship zone with Charlie and I sort of I started to understand how his mind works and stuff I was able to chat to him a lot better 
Um, so is, is, is the awareness thing sort of like that to help people who, who don't feel like they know how to talk to someone with autism just to say like, like they're, they're, you, can, you can just chat to them, it's fine? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, Charlie's exactly who I was thinking about in the first place when I was talking about, talking about people that we all know because obviously there's different, um, well, different, well, the spectrum's different, isn't it? It's quite wide. I have high functioning. I'm not sure about Charlie because I'm, but he can always let us know in the comments below. But he's he's probably, well, he's got autism, obviously, but he has uh, different uh, behaviours than I would necessarily or other people, autistic people. It's so wide, the spectrum can literally come from polar opposites. And I think once you understand what people with autism are like, then you can understand what their, what, what, what their behaviours are and what their traits are and then therefore get the best out of them I suppose like unleash their potential in a sense yeah it's a, it's a tough question to ask obviously because I mean no one knows both answers to this because no one's autistic and not autistic at the same time but do you feel like you have a different perception of darts or a different view on darts from being autistic or just not, not at all I think so because I think well, I'm not sure about other people that might be fans of it, but for me, I think it's just the the social aspect, you know, having a pint, having a couple of pints if you want to get pissed well, before playing a game, but, you know, the community of socialising, playing, having a good time with people, you know, all coming together just to throw darts and win, obviously, but have a good time and, you know, make the most of an evening, just an evening's work, really, you know? Yeah, because one one thing I noticed when it when it comes when it comes to Charlie specifically, sorry we're talking about you, Charlie. <laughs> but one you're thing, a legend, I, mate. Yeah, he says you're a legend. One thing I've noticed about about Charlie is the more he plays, like the better he gets on with social sort of being in 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 social situations. And I remember the first time I, first time I ever met him, he'd like, he like he couldn't even talk to me like he wouldn't he wasn't able to even have a conversation and now i can literally sit sit with him at darts 20 minutes long we can chat about flights stems glenn durren whoever and he's just he's just i feel like the social aspect of darts has really helped him out like he i'm sure he, he might say different or whatever but I, that's how i feel and i feel like darts is a really it's a really social game to the point where you you go somewhere you meet a load of new people and then you play then you play them again in a few weeks time and you meet them again and it's just like the repetition of of seeing that seeing more and more people all the time i feel like that that must be that must be a, a, a benefit for someone with autism well firstly routine you've mentioned repetition that would certainly help them a lot because routines we like something stuck to our schedule so we can therefore not function but you know improve ourselves in that way because i feel like I'm, i like a schedule i'm gonna plan out things one of my friends he's also autistic he wants to plan every few minutes out so therefore he can get by and enjoy his date the best he can and then you mentioned social aspects obviously people with autism would have anxiety or would struggle in social situations environments and to me it might seem like it's completely natural but inside i might feel a bit nervous you know but with charlie he's probably someone that probably suffers more from social um, scenarios than maybe I would and the fact that he improves so much over time shows that darts really does help him in that aspect as well and it's good to see yeah 100% 100% so moving on from that um, have you ever been to any of the pro tours yeah I've been invited a few times yeah you've, you've been and gone to them yeah yeah so f for me when I when I first went like it was like the most insane thing because I, I don't know if you were the same growing up or when you got into darts and stuff but to me like dart players were my football players so like people who idolized football players that was me with darts so it would be like it'd be like if, if you were a massive football fan and you walked into a it's, it's like walking into a room and it's like there's Thierry Henry and there's there's Joe Cole and there's Frank Lampard and they're just all like all together but it was the same thing for me, but with darts was I walked into this room and I remember, I remember standing at, there's an ATM outside and I was like, I don't know if I need cash or cards. So I was like, I better take some cash out anyway, just in case I get in there, I need, need to use some cash. And I was sort of on the, using the machine and I was kind of like just doing this. Just walk, and then Gary Anderson just walked past me. And I was like, oh my God, that's Gary Anderson. And then you walk into the room and it just opens up and it's like, there's just dartboards everywhere and there's just people everywhere. And like, you're like I know him and I know him that's Phil Taylor and that's Van Gerwen and so how was that situation how was that for you um, walking into the situation like that I mean you're just ex 
explained it perfectly, really. Because I remember before lockdown, my first ever time was a uh, Robins Park Arena, and um, because I was with Luke, I met him beforehand. Obviously, I knew we, we were on good terms, and uh, yeah, he just he was just like, "Don't worry about it, you'll be fine." Because he knew I was a bit nervous because it's obviously something that was so completely out of the box for what I'm used to. And then when you mentioned opening the doors, when that happened with me, I just saw everything. I'm just like, this is like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's exactly what it's like, yeah. I'm just like, the amount of dartboards, the amount of players, you know, obviously it's it's weird because you feel like you can do anything you want, but obviously it's a place for them to work. You've got to be respectful. But then as soon as I saw my other favourite players, like Glenn, for instance, for like, like the first time I saw him was a few months beforehand and he was just like Henry how are you doing oh my god it's good to see you I'm just like what like mind blown that he knows yeah. who you are and stuff oh yeah it was like when they well when you really deep it and the fact that you know they know who you are even still to this point it's something I still can't get over especially with Rob because I've supported him the longest out of all these four players I support with Glenn like oh my god it's just I can't even explain it really it's just that a remarkable feeling and I hope that people get to experience it but also appreciate what is the whole process of the whole Pro Tour you know they're there to work but at the same time you've got to let them get on with it and well earn a living yeah the the Charlie the Chocolate Factory thing is just so bang on because you walk into the room and it's it's not like they're all sitting down or something or they're all they are, they are they're working they're literally working they, are, they might be playing darts but they're working and they're just like fluttering around doing this doing that and it, it is like the Charlie and Chocolate Factory where they're yeah. like obviously they're not in Palumpas but it's like yeah. that they're all sort of like doing their thing and they're getting ready for their tournaments and stuff and yeah that, as soon as you said that that, that that like made sense in my head like straight away um, do you play much darts at the moment or no not really I mean I used to play a bit during lockdown but I've not really played too much but I'm wanting to get into it a bit more because I feel like I'll get more enjoyment if I play it as well and also just meet new people just have a good time like like I was saying earlier what I think darts is all about and I feel like if I do play darts then I can, it might lead to new gateways to my media and um, also just to make new friends you know yeah did did you play in a lot of the online leagues over lockdown or no i played in one with a few friends yeah was that was that right at the start yeah was i in that you might have been i feel like i was because there was that other guy who's who's that guy at the moment who's kind of like come from dartsware but keeps qualifying for the for the euro tour david yeah him. yeah he was he was he was here in the league when you were in it yeah. yeah he was with me yeah he absolutely well to be honest he battered me but he i think he had about a 67 average and like now he's like near on professional so i think i think that's that's quite cool to see someone come from like the darts twitter because you're quite involved on twitter as well you, you tweet quite quite a bit and to see someone like like that come through it's quite it's quite cool yeah i quite like it um he's doing well at the moment he obviously was on the uh euro tour earlier this year and um well hopefully david does better and gets a tour card at some point you know i feel like he's a very good player when he was being us all of us really he was spanking us but you know yeah, yeah, but even then, I mean, that was probably like two years ago. He was, he was, he was playing better than most of us in that league, but he wasn't like yeah. insane. But now, all of a sudden, he is playing really well. I guess he just put the time into it. Yeah, I think I feel like he was probably putting loads of effort in. Yeah, do you feel like that could be something you you could do? I mean, for me, it's like because my head is just the worst. I've got the worst mind for darts. I could practice for ten hours a day, and I guarantee in a year's time, I'll still be crap. Um, but do you feel like if you wanted to put the time in to actually play and get better, do you think you could reach a level like that? Probably not. No, I'm being honest. I mean, I want. It's kind of weird because I kind of want to imagine myself doing this, and then I just think after half an hour, you know, I can't be asked. I, I like playing for fun, but not necessarily for being a pro. Because like, well, when you're at the pro tour again, you get to appreciate how difficult darts is for a living. There's so much pressure on the line. And obviously players have to experience that to therefore try and get the best out of themselves. But when you see when you see them play and then you miss what one dart by one inch or something like match darts that could have massive implications, then you'll realise that darts is a really difficult sport. Yeah. And I can't see myself doing that well. I don't really average that high anymore because I don't play, so hmm. we'll yeah. see. Even even um even like I mean, take away the darts. The lifestyle is difficult in the first place. Like going away to pro tours and stuff. Because obviously, obviously, when I was a referee, I'd done 
I'd done probably nearly every pro tour of the year. I maybe missed one or two every now and then, like once a year or so. Um, but just like finishing work, like I'd have to take Friday off, Friday off work. I have to go down on Thursday night, take Friday off work. So I've, I've left work at six. I'm straight in the car to go to like Wigan or something. It's like four hours away. And then get to the hotel at like just gone midnight and then go, 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 get in, go get in bed, wake up the next morning, go to the venue, mark all day. Obviously for them, it's play all day. And then do it over and over again. And then you leave Sunday night and you get home at like midnight again and then you're back to work on Monday. And you do that like every weekend or nearly every weekend for like six months or so. Just just being there is difficult. And then then on top of that, the players have got to play and they've got to get themselves prepared and stuff. And they've got to like and then they've got to worry about if they're earning enough money, if they've got if if, if they lose this match and they lose that five hundred quid, what does that mean in in, the, in their life and their in their their sort of stuff. So yeah if you're a professional dart player mate credit to you because it's so difficult it's got to be so difficult well yeah definitely i feel like i mean having a manager would always be helpful because although they might take a bit from what you earn that puts your mind at ease and you don't have to pressure yourself into going oh i need to get this hotel booked or oh i need to get here one day earlier instead for these qualifiers or i need to get from a to b real quick yeah yeah for for the for the players who've still got still got full-time jobs like fair play to them yeah, I mean, obviously Johnny Clayton's a well-known part-time worker, as everyone likes to remind each other. But yeah, him, that does get brought up quite a lot. To be fair for him, though, he literally just say he works two days a week, for instance. I don't know, but imagine doing that alongside going up and down the country. I don't know where he lives, obviously, but probably Wales. Probably somewhere in Wales, yeah. Yeah, say say he's near Cardiff. That's obviously South Wales, so four hours probably to get to Wigan or Barnsley back and forth back and forth back and forth while working something just to keep him occupied yeah yeah um one thing i don't know if you've got an opinion on this but this is something that i've, I've been talking to people about recently is like when it comes to the world championships of darts um a lot so much rides on the world and i've i've started to think recently that the work that the, the prize money and stuff although the prize money is great for the people who are winning it it kind of like messes up the whole the whole rankings and stuff like you can win you can be you can have a tour card never win any money win the world championships and you're world number five do you think that the the prize the prize money needs needs looking at or or how the ranking money works and i also got a question about pro tours in a minute but we'll get onto that in a sec yeah i think it is because 500 grand for winning the world that well firstly that's a life changer for anyone but also it is very top heavy because when rob won the worlds he uh well, he came up to third in the in the world or second, and although it was four hundred grand then, but that's still life changing amount. Yeah, but I yeah, I, I though, do I do think the amount of money they get is is you know you've earned it. That's just fair. Yeah. I just think it just it just messes up the whole rankings. Yeah, you're probably right on that. It depends because let's say you came in and you won it, then obviously that would change everything for for you personally, but also. It would mean in two years from now, if you didn't win any other game, then you'd be out. You'd be gone, wouldn't you? Mm. You'd have no tour card, no nothing. But it's it's difficult because I can see why they put so much hype or mon- and money into it. But at the same time, it is the worlds. Everyone has to put their maximum effort in. But even fifty grand, say reaching the quarterfinals, that can do wonders. That can keep your tour card for another year. Yeah, but sure. It although the fine uh, winning the actual thing will be a lot more. It also benefits the other people in the first round, say. Yeah. Something else I've got an opinion on that I would love to hear your opinion on as well is Pro Tours, right? So I believe, and a lot of people don't like this idea, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. I believe that people who lose first round on the Pro Tour, even if it's unranked money, should get 200 quid, 250 quid. If it doesn't go towards your rankings, that's fine. But I feel like... I think I worked it out. It costs, it'll cost the PC about £16,000 a tournament, which in the grand scheme of things, that's a lot of money. In the grand scheme of darts and stuff, that's not much at all. Um, so, yeah, I think the next time that they decide to play around with the, with the, with the prize money, I think they, instead of adding more to the Pro Tour win, they should add more to the, to the first round losers. Because I think one problem is that it's a, it's a professional sport and you're, you've earned the right to play in it. And you've got bills to pay and stuff. I, I, I personally think there should be an unranked amount of money that go to the first round losers. Have you got any any thoughts on that? Well, it depends really on how you look at it. Because if I'm 
if I imagine it from my perspective, if I wanted to spend £400 on hotel and travelling to Wigan every weekend and I lose first round every time, that's a lot of money gone. But when you think about the sponsorship money involved, when you think about, um, well, just advertisement for representing other companies as well, when you think about all things considered and you might have a manager to pay for it all for you because you've won this X amount, it kind of means it's not really a big loss because you're not in, you're not really paying for the hotel or you're not paying just to get there. But I can see why why you you think there should be, and I feel like there could be there could be an opportunity to do that. But it will cost the PDC a lot more money. But I feel as though it would be a bit unfair because at the end of the day you've got to be there to win. That's how professional sport works in a way. If even though it's unranked, it might just seem a bit unfair on those that deliberately lose round one for instance it might cause that it might cause I don't, yeah I don't, I don't think anyone would would lose the first round intentionally because you're still earning more money by winning the first round but just it just i think it just takes the pressure off a little bit or it would take the pressure off a little bit for some of the, the lower down ranked players who are maybe having to take time off work to do to, to do yeah. the dart still i just think i think it just make everything like a little bit easier i think a lot of the a lot of players kind of probably worry about that sort of thing and 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 we're we're starting to see a lot of starting to see a few players who just aren't turning up to pro tours anymore. And whether it's because they can't afford it or they just don't want to, whatever. I mean, I can't imagine it's because because they, they don't want to. It's probably because they for whatever reason they can't. Uh, I feel like it would it would definitely stop or slow down the amount of people who are pulling out of the tournaments on the pro tour. Because I think I think if you've got a tour card, you should be going to the mall. Yeah, because you've won it, you've won it, and you should be entitled to use it. I mean. I can see I can see why you'd think that and I'm I'm not saying that I'm for or against but I feel as though that it's the same with snooker as well people are raising that issue and that's a longer tournament regardless because for a pro tour you're there for two days or two nights but for snooker you'll probably be there for potentially a week and then if you lose well yeah you just lose more money don't you mm. I mean I feel as though they could potentially uh, increase uh, well sure have a get uh, Okay, you're right you're fine you're fine (laughs) I feel as though they could potentially have a little bit of money probably not 250 quid or something but something like 100 150 max but it would really just depends on whether the PDC are willing to inherit more money into those that lose first round right Twitter questions we've got a few questions so we've got a few silly questions so I'll try and try and work around the silly ones Aaron, which is GoldenEye170, said, oh, hello, Aaron. Uh, who do you see as the next new world champion? Oh, you're going to say one of your players, aren't you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, um, all right, I'll say one with my players in it yeah. and one without. I'll say Luke Humphreys. Oh. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, he's slowly getting there. He, he's, uh, well, put it this way, every year he's progressed in some form. With, and he'll uh, I'm not going to rush into saying when because then again being the worlds it can just happen at any moment we saw what happened to Rob but I feel as though that in time once he progresses to keep going on the next steps up the ladder he'll he'll be one because he loves the world championships yeah like he's so good at the world championships normally I mean I think he had like the, he, he, like his first two world champs or something were both quarterfinals or something like that yeah. or when he was like 22, 23 he was a quarterfinalist twice I think I could be completely wrong but I'm, I think I, he was I think it was second round first time then two quarterfinals then lost to Paul Lim in the first round oh yeah and then he got quarterfinals last year yeah uh, I, yeah he is I think set play suits him a lot better than other players potentially yeah one thing one thing I do find about Luke is if he's on it he's on it for a long time like a lot of players they'll go through they'll have like five legs where they're amazing and then a couple of dead legs yeah. and stuff he kind of like if he gets to the peak he stays at the peak and he's to the end of the match. I think that's why he does so well on the, well on the Euro Tour is he just finds it early in the game and then all of a sudden he just really runs away with it really. He's just really good. Well, yeah, with him the last 18 months, he lost basically all the fat on him. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's done well, didn't so he? So he's done good there and then he's... Uh, he's yeah. He told me it gives him so much more energy later into the tournaments and that's probably the, uh, the missing reason for why he was probably losing on the back end of some results and now he's literally winning 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 yeah it's confidence as well I mean I'm when I'm slim I'm super confident yeah. at the moment not so slim not so confident but I, I find that yeah whether it whether it is I mean 
I just play I just play pub darts and stuff I mean it's it's never more than best of seven so it's not like being overweight makes me struggle with the with the, with the length of the match because this is a short match but when I'm a, when I'm a, when I'm lighter I'm a bit fitter I'm so much better at darts it's, un- it's like stupidly yeah. unreal it's all confidence based um, more about Luke and Ryan um, this is from Kelly do you right. think Luke Humphreys and Ryan Searle win a major and also how high do you think they'll climb the rankings do you have a number one or number two in the world rankings on the cards one day, do you think? Yes. And um, that sounds completely biased. but I Because it is. It, it might be biased, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I generally think that. Because I think, um, well, I think firstly, Ryan has the potential to do amazing things in darts. I think he can win absolutely everything. And I think the same for Luke, honestly. I generally... The, there's no there's no ends for them but whether or not they actually do it is another thing but we won't be biased and we'll say in the top four both of them yeah I don't I don't think it's a bad shout because you look at you look at the world look at the world rankings now and like Peter Wright's like in his 50s yeah. I mean Goen Price is quite young but he's quite new in the scene-ish Van Goen's young but he's just been around for a while but then a lot of the players like James Wade I mean he's, he's in his 40s now he's starting to get on a little bit uh, Gary Anderson's in his 50s he's starting to get on so he's, he's getting a bit older and he, he's probably not going to be playing darts that much longer I do find that a lot of the players I think Josie de Souls is quite old as well like surprisingly old yeah he's near towards 50 I know he doesn't, he doesn't look it I think he looks alright for his age to be fair but I do think there's a new wave of dart players coming up and Ryan Searle being what mid 30s yeah I something cool. like that and then Luke Humphreys is like 27 or something like that as well Yeah, near I do 30. think one day they are going to be those sort of players are going to be them, them top boys yeah and I've, I, that's exactly what I think I feel like well firstly Ryan came close to winning a major last year but once he, it's all about getting over the line, you know. I think he, they they have they need to improve the consistency. I mean, Ryan a bit more, but I'm not saying he isn't consistent. He just needs to keep keep him going, and he'll get there eventually. Luke's literally winning left, right, and centre at the moment. Yeah, he needs to, he'll, he'll pick up in the majors, and he should get one this year, really. But we can only hope, anyway. Well, me. <laughs> so that's what I think, in my non-biased opinion. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, Dan Darts um, how much longer can you see it's two two part this one how much longer can you see Wright keeping the world number one spot and then also do you believe MVG will be back at his best after recovering from an injury let's start with the Peter Wright one at world number one do you think that's going at some point well it's difficult because Gezi is losing out on his world's money this year so I feel like he could probably stay up there for another year probably because yeah. Peter next year will defend the match play and the Worlds as well and that's ridiculous money to lose yeah it all depends on this year really because he needs to well pick up his form a bit more because he's struggling recently but normally he comes back in the second half of the year anyway there's so much to play for so much at stake and he always comes back like yeah. literally two years ago he was going for a rough patch wasn't very good at the Premier League although he got to the top four and then went off it for a bit and then he won two majors didn't he or one and then final of another so he, he was definitely has every chance to come back yeah I do I do think that uh, going price losing his world's money is going to keep him up there for a little bit longer for sure because I mean I think those two are, they're so clear in the rankings now because like Michael Van Gogh is not playing as well as he was and it's just it's the darts is those those two at the moment even though Peter Wright's not in the best form at the moment it doesn't really need to be he's so clear at world number one then the other question was, do you believe MVG would be back at his best after recovering from his injury? Yeah, I don't think it's anything too serious to worry about. I might be completely wrong on that, but the fact he won the Premier League with the injury shows how good he still is. And to be honest, he's not even dipped down that much in form anyway. I think winning a couple of Euro Tours, winning a few PCs in between, he's, he's slowly going back there. And I think what the reason maybe fundamentally was just COVID, being stuck in the hotel having to do tests all the time, you know, the limited freedom that he had to do what he wanted while playing darts. Yes, can't can't be fun. I, I don't know how they'd done it. I mean, I, I'm glad I wasn't a marker around that time because I'd have just, I'd have been so bored just sitting yeah. around waiting for COVID tests and stuff and not being out loud out and stuff and going, because a lot, a, part, a, a big part of the whole, the marking thing was the social side as well, going out and having fun and going to nightclubs and stuff and all that stuff because, Barnsley and Wigan and Coventry where's the other one Milton Keynes Milton Keynes as well 
great, great, great nights out. So that was like another another reason why you'd look forward to the darts because you have a, have, a, have a really good night out. But a good thing about Milton Keynes is that you've got the hotel at the stadium and then you've got the local McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the KFC really close as well. Well, there you go. Uh, Aman, he has asked, honestly thinking, do you think darts is declining in terms of everything, standard decision-making, advertisements, players, player treatments, etc.? Well, firstly, good question from Aman, really. I really like that because um, people probably might disagree, but I think it is declining in a way. I mean, when it comes to advertisement, I think that's probably maybe a good thing. Like, they, like for instance, when you think of advertisement, you think of the World Series and Fallon Sherrock being there. And I think she should be there because it's good for promoting the game. But whether or not you value who you think should be there based on merit rather than promotion, that's a different thing. It's either or. You can't pick both because if, if it's on merit, then you'll probably not see Fallon there. But um, what are the other ones again? Uh, Decision-making. I mean, I, I, I think this is quite... I think you could, you could go quite broad on this question, I think. But it's like, just in general, do you, think, do you think the standard of darts is declining or going up? I think in a way that... Um, there were like a few years ago when Taylor was still about, there was probably like him, five other players that could win a major but now I feel like it's anyone like we saw Danny Knopper win one this year he beat Michael Smith in the UK Open didn't he and I'm not saying he's not a bad player because I feel like he could have won one at some point but the fact that people wouldn't necessarily think at first that he could be winning one is something to show that that anyone can beat anyone on their day yeah there's like as, as far as it goes I'd say there's like 16 odd players who I if they won a, if they won a tournament throughout the year like a major one or a TV one I wouldn't be surprised by it but when it comes to individual standard in terms of 100 averages etc not on TV but on the floor you'll, you'll see it non-stop right let's go to let's go to Jojo yeah. he, this, we've got some quick quick fire questions from Jojo right you ready alright then you've probably already read them on Twitter but we'll go, we'll go for them anyway I can't remember them <laughs> Winter Gardens or Ali Pali Winter Gardens Players Championships or Euro Tour Players' championships. Sets or legs? Legs. Um, of all time, Wright or Barney? Wright. Right. And uh, commentator-wise, I guess, Mardle or Nicholson? Mardle. Yeah? Yeah, I quite like him. Yeah, I, I think the, the Wright or Barney thing, for me, it's a, it's a, difficult, it's a difficult one to, uh, to answer because I feel like if Barney retired and then stayed retired when he did, I feel like he'd be higher then right but I think because he come back and then I mean to be fair to him he's, play, he's played alright since he's been back but I think I think a lot of people over like the lockdown and stuff when he was doing like the um, the charity matches and stuff he w- wasn't really playing playing to Barney's standards I think he kind of like done himself in a little bit but I think <clears> the thing with Barney is that he uh, he had a brilliant video probably one of the best video like well um, careers ever but he also, he came to the PDC with so much promise, apart from being Taylor of the Worlds, which is probably the most iconic moment ever for darts, yeah. arguably anyway. That was big. Exactly. And then at some point, just he obviously won a few more things, but he's not really been as successful as maybe other people expected him to be. And I'm not saying he's not a bad player. He's top 10 of all time for me, but maybe Wright is probably arguably better because... He's won more world championships. He's won the match play. And although he's been runners-up many, many times before actually winning his first big one, he's always there or thereabouts anyway. Yeah, when there was a big discussion on Twitter over who was the top five players in the world. And I'm, I'm confident in my first three being Taylor, Van Gogh and um, Bristow. I can't remember who I put fourth off the top of my head. Gary Anderson. Yeah. And the fifth, the fifth spot for me was like, it was Barney or Wright. I ended up picking Wright. And then sort of like after a little while, I was looking at it thinking, I don't know why I picked Wright, but I have. Like, I feel like I should have put Barney in it, but I didn't. The weird thing is, I mean, it depends if you want to count his BDL or not, but at the same time, I would personally. Yeah, I would. Even though it's after the split. Yeah. But the standard was still good. I mean, it's the same with any BDL world title from then on. I'd still count it as a world championship, but it might not hold the same value as a PDC one because that is the main one afterwards isn't it that mm. everyone wants to win yeah so we've got so Wim did have a few questions but we've answered a lot of them but he has one that we haven't answered what's your favourite moment ever in darts I don't know that's a good one 
It will be when Nuke wins the Worlds. When he does. Or any what, of them. What, what about one of them? What about your favourite moment that's already happened? I might say Ryan Searle's first Players' Championship because I was there for it. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The moment that he made everyone know that he was a threat and beat some good players in doing so. And I think from that moment on, he's pushed on. And now he's almost in the top 16 properly. And now he's showing people what I saw in him a few years beforehand. Do you say that was your first Pro Tour you went to? Yeah. The first ever event and he won it? Yeah. That's pretty good going. Well, were you a fan of him before then? Yeah. Oh, so that was like perfect then? Yeah, I was working with a Darts Mad then by writing uh, about him. And then I remember it quite well actually because there was a saying, oh yeah, we told Ryan that you'll be there. So just make yourself present. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. We're going to meet this guy. And then we met him. He was lovely as always. And then I remember being outside the you know the main stages, the main boards. I was literally just in a seat next to Vincent van der Voort when he was playing MVG. And I was just celebrating and just winding him up. <laughs> but like, oh, look, Ryan's beat MVG. But yeah, that's I won't ever forget that. Yeah, that's such good timing. I, I, I had a couple of those. So um, one of my dad's mates, he has, he's, he's got a son who was like well into darts, right? So one of the pro tours, we, did, we didn't tell him we were taking him. He was like just old enough to go in. I think he was 12. And um, we didn't tell him he was coming to a pro tour. We just kind of like put him in the car and we, we just drove. Anyway, so his favourite player is James Wade, like by miles. Like, yeah. he, he's just James Wade mad. And obviously J- James Wade, good dart player, isn't a big pro tour winner. Doesn't win loads of them. He win the odd one here and there. He doesn't win loads of them. So anyway, so we, we, we get to the darts. He's like amazed by what, what's going on. And Wadey lost in the lost in the final on the first day. We were like, "Well, that's amazing," because he's just Alfie's just literally like walked around the room, just watched every single every single one of James's games, and then and then James come over at the end of the tournament after he just lost in the final, and like spoke to him, had a, had a little chat with him and his dad and stuff, and he give he give Alfie his his dart case and all everything, so he, he got everything. And he was like, "Can't believe what's going on. This is mental." And then James won the next day. So like he turned up to watch one player. He'd Brilliant. be in both finals and then won, won one of them. And another one was Jack Main. So Jack Main, professional dart player now, he's got a tour card. But he, when he was just getting into darts, he was practicing with Darren Webster a lot. And Darren's my best mate when it comes to like the pro tour and stuff. So Darren brought Jack along to come and watch. And the first tournament, obviously Darren's won like one or maybe two pro tours ever. And um, yeah, first tournament Jack Jack turned up to Darren won it, and it was oh, like, probably like lucky lucky charm. To be fair, I'm not saying that I was the reason why Brian won, but maybe him knowing who I was. Exactly. No, take it, take it. You own that. Next time you see him, say the reason you won that pro that pro tour was because oh, I've done I was that there. already. Yeah, definitely. Now, hopefully, he wins the match play because I'll make an effort to go there. Yeah, do you want to go on? Do you want to talk about the match play quickly? I've I, I've I've I did a video about it yesterday. So I kind of know who's qualified. But have you got any predictions for the match play? Or you got any... You're only going to say Luke's going to win, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to ask the questions. Do you, think, um, do, you think anyone, so do you think anyone apart from Luke is going to make a big statement? Anyone who's going to do something surprising? I think Noppet might win it. Noppet might win it? Yeah. I won't, I won't... I mean, it's difficult because my three faves, apart from Glenn, sadly, he won't be there. They're in the best position possible. They're literally what... One, two, three, like they're all within the top six and the most form in the world, basically. So yeah. they've got every chance. But aside from them, I think like Noppert, because he's in good form, he's literally playing the best darts of his life. He literally just won the UK Open. He's probably an underrated shout still. Yeah, definitely. Because you, you do forget, you, you forget players like him because they're not involved in. I mean, he played in the World Cup and stuff, but that that's not really massive. He played. Did he? Did he play in that Dutch Masters recently? He probably did, so, yeah. didn't he? But other than that, like the World Series is what everyone's been talking about recently and stuff. And he, although winning that tournament, the UK Open, which is a massive deal, he's not really been spoken about at all since winning yeah. it. So I, he's like proper got a chance of winning it. I definitely agree. Yeah. I'll say Cullen as well, mainly just because he got so close to winning the Premier League. Oh yeah, he should have won that. I felt bad for him. Felt really yeah, bad for him, but what about Van Gerwen? I don't know what no, I the don't think so. I don't know what what no. the situation is with his with his um his operation because he had an operation. Then he played the Euro Tour after the operation, didn't he? Which everyone was a bit surprised about. Um, but yeah, I because I, I I've I've been saying Van Gerwen wins this before 
I knew he was having an operation. Now he's had now he's had it. I don't. I have no idea. I just felt like this was this was Van Gogh's tournament. He, this was his big tournament to get him back in to like contention of winning stuff again. Because to be honest, he's not won a lot that recently, has he? To be honest, when it when it comes to TV stuff. So I thought this will be this will be Van Gogh's tournament. But now with the injury and stuff, I don't I don't really know. I'd like to see Hetter do well. Oh yeah, I love Damon. Damon's an amazing guy. I, have you met him or? No, not really. I've spoken to him on on Twitter and stuff quite a few times, and he was at Q School as well. I, I I did see him at Q School, but I didn't want to like go and bother him, so I never went oh, never went and spoke to him. If you approach him, he'll speak to you. Oh yeah, he, I, I knew I knew he'd be cool, yeah. but I was like, I just there were a few people trying to get pictures with him, and I was like, I'll just leave him. Oh no, I, I mean I'm not that kind of person anyway. I just appreciate them for who they are. I'm not obviously my Twitter profile picture is a picture of Robin, his manager of Rab, but I don't. I'd rather just you know just. Be in their presence rather than engaging photos or whatever you know it, it feels wrong if you know what i mean right so i want to go uh, on on the outside of the top 16 yeah if right. one of the players outside the, outside the top 16 is going to win the win the match play i'm gonna go heta you can go sell or do you think it's someone else i love heta so i'll say him as well yeah cool yeah right mate i think that will that will do us we're out of the question out of the uh the twitter questions um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. That's all good. Thank you for having me. That's all right. Uh, get subscribed to Henry Chill TV. Yeah. Yeah. Please sub. There'll be if you're watching on YouTube, there'll be a link in the description. If not, just search it up on uh, on YouTube, and you you should find it. But yeah, thanks so much, mate. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you again. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. <laughs>